Okay, hello, welcome to episode 324 of Sack King's Therapy. Uh, we are coming to you, unfortunately, today, a bit of a somber episode. Uh, well, before we do do get somber, I guess one of the bright, let's start with a bright spot. Fong is back. Hello. And I wish I could actually bring you back on a, on a better note, because, uh, yeah, yesterday... It was just announced on Twitter by Triple H that uh, Bray Wyatt had passed. And this was right after, like a day after we got news that Terry Funk had passed. But, you know, you the, we, we, we've been wrestling fans for a while. We've seen the news of like a lot of the guys that we've watched, like, well, well, that I did watch because they were like a lot older, like Roddy Piper, Ultimate Warrior, those guys. We have heard so many stories of those guys passing away early, and we just understand that's part of the business. The Terry Funk, Terry Funk, like great wrestler, you know, was truly an icon of like, you know, the Attitude Era, ECW and all that stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to like, I know this comes off as a little fucked up. But I'm just like, yeah, I, I'm not that surprise he was 79 at the time and you know like it's at you know it's he's getting to that age where unfortunately it's likely that you're going to be hearing like oh so and so has passed away even though he did last pretty he did you know live past 65 so that's a good thing but the Bray Wyatt one really caught me off guard man was 36 yeah it's to be honest after all Ever since he came back, really, I thought, you know, he was just gone due to injuries for all this time. I didn't really think of anything else other than just that. And after hearing him pass all of a sudden, I mean, there's something that I didn't hear about at all <laughs> that, uh, whatchamacallit, that I haven't been keeping up on with uh, his return. So, yeah, I mean, ever since his return i was excited to see what was coming up for him because i mean the build-up to uh him returning was like one of the biggest pops we've heard in quite a while yeah i believe it was i think it was night of champions or uh, last year i don't i don't remember what event it was but yeah it was very hyped up it was an amazing build-up but it's but yeah he like he 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 was in a feud with Bobby Lashley I believe around like right before WrestleMania, and and all of a sudden he had to pull out and from what from the reports all we heard was like oh he had health issues, and look I'll, I'll look it's gonna be a lot of me shitting on WWE for a while I'll, I'll give them this they're very good at holding wrestlers out if they're dealing with an illness i don't know if that's a controversial take or not like i remember keith lee keith lee like a few years ago when he was with wwe had a had a similar situation he had a he had a health issue and uh it, it was something related to covid which unfortunately this is related to covid as well but he had a he had a situation with covid and wwe just would not clear him even though he i think he said he was healthy and i think he was tweeting stuff like saying you know I'm coming back soon type thing but WWE was like no you're not because we're not we're not going to pass you we're still finding something in you. So and like the and you know going back like I actually appreciate how they held out Daniel Bryan for as long as they did because you know as we just mentioned like it, in this business we've we've grown up with a lot of wrestlers that have died early because of the working conditions. 
And I was glad that like these that they're not allowing these guys to kill themselves, basically. And, you know, like we had we had heard that Bray Wyatt was, um, you know, dealing with a health issue. Like I, I the entire time was like saying, I, I hope he's OK. And then, like, I, I swear to God, I heard Sean Ross Sapp, who, who's probably one of the best news sources in wrestling now, talk about like, oh, he seems to be making a bit of a recovery and that he will be returning at some point. So there was some optimism. And then all of a sudden, this news just hits. And I was just like, this has got to be a troll. Because like, even to even to now, like, I st- part of me still doesn't really believe he's gone, but he is. Yeah, it's it's weird because we don't really hear too many wrestlers especially at his age you know just being gone all of a sudden and i mean he has so much to uh you know provide for us in terms of entertainment but i mean man i health is is a crazy thing when it comes to you know every i don't know it's just it's just crazy yeah and the so Sean Ross Sapp did tweet out like so here here's what he tweeted out I'm gonna pull it up so basically he he said that uh earlier this year uh Wyndham Rotunda that's Bray Wyatt got COVID got COVID and it exacerbated some heart issue and there was a lot of positive progress towards a return and his recovery but yesterday he suffered a heart attack and passed away so that's basically the. I'm guessing like the sh- short version. There, there might have been more, more in in the, in in what happened. But that's basically what we have. And yeah, se- seriously, just listen to your health. Um, and of course, like with a, such a sudden, like sudden passing of passing like this, make sure to just appreciate your loved ones. Hu- hug your loved ones appreciate you know the time that they're here because like you never know when something like this like just hits you oh yeah that's for sure and you know like i guess this is the bray wyatt appreciation uh part where you know like look he the firefly funhouse like i thought i thought his best stuff was the build up to the feed like that was just so uh, like the build like just throughout what like, it was right after WrestleMania and it built all the way to SummerSlam. And he created this incredible character with all this incredible lore and incredible, like, and also like a lot of Easter eggs in between, which was really awesome. But him, the build with like him uh, from WrestleMania all the way to SummerSlam, the, the introduction of the fiend was truly one of the greatest things I had seen in a long, long time. And like it, 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 it turned him into a made man. Like for, he he rode that momentum basically all the way till like he came back because honestly after the fiend it was pretty it, it wasn't his fault but like it was he was basically a bit like buried to a certain degree. Like the fiend after losing to Randy Orton at WrestleMania I think thirty seven was just like yeah Bray Wyatt's done and then all of a sudden they kind of just randomly release him and then like with all this good wit with all the goodwill built from, you know, the fiend and like even the cult leader, Bray Wyatt, like it made him into just, a, a, you know, a, a megastar. And it's really unfortunate that he didn't get to see it out because 
it looked like he was building to something. The Wyatt Six stuff, we never got to see the fruition of it. And apparently, like, him getting sick and Alexa Bliss getting pregnant and uh, Eric Young quitting the company, like, actually kind of nixed those plans anyways. But and it's unfortunate we didn't get to see, like, you know, what could have been a really, really good, like, another really good storyline being built through long term. And... That's really the unfortunate thing, but that's what he's going to be remembered for. Just his brilliant mind, the way he's able to kind of build lore, like build up a storyline through like really just captivating storytelling. Oh, yeah. Uh, personally, for me, I like the Wyatt family <laughs> more. So, so that's what a lot of people say. Like they love the Wyatt family, but unfortunately, I wasn't watching until then i came mm. back i started watching again in 20 like at the tail end of 2016 and that yeah so i missed basically most of uh cult leader bray wyatt i see i mean to each to their own of course i mean uh the things he did with uh firefly and uh the fiend i mean it, it was top-notch <laughs> entertainment that's for sure it's just that for me personally the hell and cell just soured uh the fiend oh pretty pretty a lot to be well, honest yeah i mean you want to talk about it more we can transition into the into unfortunately the bad of, of bray wyatt like you, you want to start with that you were there in that sacramento show i was there uh i had nosebleed seats uh just because you know <laughs> then uh whatchamacallit uh, what, didn't then, want to pay premium seats. Yeah, plus not uh, that it would have helped. But believe me, like you can't, that, I don't think you could have seen shit. So. Yeah, no joke. Like that cell, even from up above, can't see. I can't imagine being up close in a. It was a red cell, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, red, red cell, cell, red lighting. Red lighting. It was dark as shit. I literally could not see much. Uh, literally, when it happened with um, what you want to call it, the. DQ. I was like, "What the fuck happened?" <laughs> I did. I didn't even see it. You literally have to see the screen twenty four seven just to catch what even happened in that ring. It is genuinely one of the worst finishes of all time, and it has nothing to do with Bray. I thought I actually thought the match was was pretty cool, like up until that finish. It's just like, how do you DQ someone in a hell in a cell? And credit to Sacramento. By caught by chanting bullshit. Were, were you in on the bullshit chance? Oh hell yeah! <laughs> I wanted, I want a refund. I wanted the bullshit. <laughs> they chant. The fans chanted refund, restart match, which was just the most yeah. hilarious thing. AEW at the time. That was right before AEW uh, debut debut on TNT. Like it was just, it is the like looking back, it is one of the funniest endings of all time in terms of just how horrible it was. But like that, that that allows us allows us the transition of just how WWE fucked up Bray Wyatt so bad. Like the Fiend, you know the 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 SummerSlam match. It's on YouTube. Watch the go on YouTube and type in Bray Wyatt versus Finn Balor, and it, it, they have the entrance. And like the the entire match is about eleven minutes. It's not that long. It is an incredible entrance. The presence, the and if you were watching at the time, the build up to the Firefly Funhouse Funhouse thing that I had mm -hmm. just mentioned, it and it culminating in that just an incredible entrance. 
incredible presence. He's this unstoppable monster. You're like, holy shit, this guy's winning at WrestleMania. He's going to be main eventing WrestleMania. And then they shoehorn him into a feud with Seth, which, by the way, ruins Seth after that. And it's just <laughs> it's just the worst thing. They, they did So they book him to, for whatever reason, to fight for the title, but they did not want him to win for some reason. So why the fuck did you book him in that match? And then after, and then like they kind of make up for it in Saudi Arabia, where for some reason he wins the title after after all that. And then they have, and then they have fucking Goldberg beat him at Saudi Arabia in I think February, just completely killing the character. And then somehow, by some fucking miracle, he manages to have a Firefly Funhouse match with John Cena, which still to this day is one of the most unique fascinating like out of left field type things i've ever seen in terms of just how it, it, it's basically a video s a video essay you would see on youtube in wrestling form and just he managed to kind of redeem himself after that and build himself up to be a, to be a main eventer again in the pandemic era and then they fucked it up again by having him feel with braun Strowman, and it was trash basically like long story short Bray Wyatt was an incredible creative mind. I don't think there's ever been someone who's been just so like good at just storytelling and just creating lore and creating captivating storylines like he was. But then, but then WWE would just find a way to fuck it up with by just not first of all not letting him win, not presenting him in a way that makes him a star. Yet he still was able to overcome all that. And that that's kind of his legacy. If you look more into it, an incredible, an incredible, one of the most like, one of the best um, like storytelling figures in wrestling, ruined by god awful booking by a company that just did not understand him. Primarily Vince and Bruce Pritchard. Like they even they even threw out a hit piece when they released him. It was just the most the dumbest thing that basically no one bought. Where like they said that Bray Wyatt was hard to work with. No, you guys are fucking idiots, is what you guys are by releasing him. So, you know that's kind of his legacy. Just a, an incredible um, wrestling mind ruined by idiot bookers who just don't know what they're doing anymore. <sighs> yeah, I mean, and, and like you know, I didn't watch the uh, cult leader Bray Wyatt stuff, but you you can go up on YouTube and just search up how they fucked that one up too. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, man, you kind of lost me in the train of thought. But all I could say is that during the COVID years, I feel like um, there was a lot more, how I say it, creativity. Just because, you know, COVID, no fans, they had to kind of like, I'm going to say this, pre-record a lot of stuff. And you could put a lot of creativity in those pre-recorded stuff, especially uh, with that John Cena fight. <laughs> but and, uh, and, and you know, and you know that Firefly Funhouse match. It made every it made everyone say, you know, they should do a lot more of these, like these cinematic matches, because mm-hmm. like Bray Wyatt was so the Boneyard match was actually kind of fun. <laughs> looking back at it, but like the the Firefly Funhouse match was where was the kind of the game changer for during that pandemic era. I also remember, and going off topic a little, especially with uh, the Edge versus Randy Orton match back in WrestleMania, I forget which number. 36. Now. 36. I mean, in my mind, 
no uh disrespect to them too but there's no way they're gonna <laughs> they could have wrestled that many minutes and took that many uh hits throughout that whole match <laughs> but i have uh, uh, well we could debate i think it, i think they probably did it's fine like they did it was a lot of panting going on i'll just say during that match <laughs> but yeah i mean during those years i mean you could say it's just movie magic you could cut a lot of stuff redo a lot of bumps and hits i mean it made it more i, I wouldn't say genuine but it made it more I guess entertaining in a different sense to what we're used to before the pandemic. It didn't make it a good match, but you know, it was, a, <laughs> it was way too long. Do you know how long it was? Was it like 36 minutes? 36 minutes. Just imagine that. Yeah, <laughs> that was crazy. With, with a lot of them just kind of walking around. <laughs> like a lot of it was just with them walking around, stopping and grabbing stuff. It was, it was a long match. Oh yeah. They were climbing. They were, Going, I don't know how many rooms they passed by just to finish up that match, too. Yeah. But yeah, back to Bray Wyatt. Absolutely brilliant mind. You know, had a lot of great ideas, but was was just completely, like, was it cut, up, cut off at, at the feet, I think is the same. Um, I don't know if you know the same, but like, he was just stymied by just god-awful god booking. And, you know... Like that's unfortunately kind of what his legacy is. Just a, he's a brilliant man, and he he really touched a lot of people. Like you can tell if so, if like a figure is someone who is respected and is loved by just like seeing the outpour of emotion from literally everyone. Like it does remind me. Like you mentioned Brody Lee and uh, Luke Harper or whichever one you want to go with. When he just suddenly died out of nowhere, you you felt like the somber feeling around the wrestling world just like this guy was incredible touched a lot of people did a lot of good things and was a genuinely good person and that that's what i get that's what i get from you know bray Wyatt's passing everyone's just like just talking about how great of a person he was and yeah he will truly be missed oh yeah and you know if you get a chance watch the smackdown episode i just finished watching it it's really good. They really, they really did do a good job of, uh, you know, paying tribute to Bray and of course Terry Funk, um, and like Ellie Knight's promo, the way he was able to kind of like give tribute to, um, give tribute to Bray Wyatt, and at the same time kind of s- progress the storyline with him and the Miz while seemingly like really emotionally struggling to just kind of hold back tears. Impressive stuff. Watch the episode if you can, because it, it it really does. Like I, I gave WWE a lot of shit just now. Like, I'll give them a, I'll give them credit for you know putting together that show. It was really good. Like great video packages, and yeah, just a great great way to send off Ray Wyatt. Mm-hmm. But let, let, let's talk about Terry Funk. Terry Funk. You know, it's unfortunate his death is kind of almost just overshadowed in a way by Bray Wyatt's, but Terry Funk was a very good revolutionary in, like, at least from what I know, just an incredible hardcore wrestler. I'll be honest, though. I do not like the kind of hardcore wrestling that he does, especially looking, well, specifically looking from today's lenses. Younger, sure, I loved it. It was, like, violence, barbed wire to the face, you know, like, you know, baseball bats on fire, you know, uh, ch- like tables filled with barbed wire. 
just like the brutality of what he did back in like the original ECW was some sick shit. And it, you know, to certain to like a certain population of people who love that stuff, there's always like a group of people who love that stuff. He's an absolute like cult hero. And he really did kind of like innovate that style. There is a match where him and Sabu are wrestling. It's like a barb, I think I think it was like a barbed wire match. Basically, the ropes are in, are not ropes anymore. They are just straight up barbed wire. Just think about that. And Sabu in the match tears his fucking bicep. Like he cuts open his bicep. Like at one point, his bicep was almost like literally hanging off of his arm. Like that's how fucking brutal that match is. And Terry Funk, you know, almost died. So it, just a fucking cycle of a man. And just, it, yeah, he was like, it does overshadow, unfortunately, how he was a very good wrestler, a guy that knew how to play to the crowd and, you know, had very good, you know, wrestling fundamentals in terms of just like, you know, understanding how the business works and all that stuff. But yeah, just, um, you know, what he's going to be remembered for is being, you know, his nickname, the hardcore legend. Yeah, he definitely made a lot of matches. Um, I wouldn't say realistic, but. <laughs> more so like he definitely suffered <laughs> for the fans he, yeah I'll definitely say that he definitely put his body in front just for entertainment which i mean like you said at the time was really cool really nice as an adult yeah let's think about our health before any of this ever happens ever again just uh, like I like I rewatched some of that match. There is once like at one point, both of them are so fucking tangled in barbed wire that they couldn't move. Basically, like they had to get <sighs> out wire cutters to free themselves. It was just it like some people are like saying that's one of the greatest matches of all time. Like, sure, you can say that. I can't. I can't stand that match. Because it's so fucking ridiculous, the amount of shit that they put themselves through. And, like, let's not ignore this. ECW didn't pay you shit back then. Mm. So, so, like, you're getting paid, like, pennies on the pennies for putting your body through absolute hell. And, unfortunately, it, like, this is, uh, like, this is not his fault, per se. But he really did spawn, like, a lot of, like, a lot of, like, you know, even cheaper imitations of hardcore wrestling. Like there are, you know, you have you seen like the, you know, the light tube matches and all that stuff. Like <sighs> you would just break light tubes over each other. That yeah. is a that is an unfortunate descendant of the heart of like kind of what Terry Funk used to wrestle in. And again, these dudes are these people are being paid, you know, pennies. Like some of them are being paid by with just food at, at the event. Like they get a slice of pizza. That's all they get paid for, and it's all for the love of the game. And you love to see it to a certain degree, but honestly, I don't. I don't love it because, oh my God, it's just it spawned just an awful like generation of just honestly garbage wrestling. It really is. Look, you you can like it. It's not for me. Uh, that that's just how I see it. Oh yeah. So, but you know, like tri you know, like really respect to Terry Funk. I I do I do enjoy like just like I always got to respect the man, even though I don't agree with just kind of what he did. He was a great man when he lived, and he definitely do does leave a legacy behind. And Cody Rhodes had a very touching tribute for him. And yeah, re rest in peace, Bray Wyatt. Rest in peace, Terry Funk. 
you got this world will remember what you guys did for both the wrestling business and the world as a whole. Okay, well, let's move on uh, to something maybe emotionally, you know, emotionally traumatic, but, you know, nowhere near as actually traumatic because, you know, it, it, you know, we just talked about real life people passing away. Let's, let's go to something that might have just attacked you a little emotionally. Trey Lance has now been traded to the Dallas Cowboys <laughs> for a fourth round pick. Now, I don't have the full transaction, so I believe they traded, what was it, three or four first-round picks for Trey Lance. At the time, yeah, uh, to, tra- or to draft him at the time. To draft course. him, yes. Was it three or four? I want to say three. Three. So, yes, yeah, so earlier in the week, I was going to ask you what your thoughts of, like, oh, you know, it, it was just announced that, was it Sam Darnold, I believe his name? Was going to be the second yeah, QB. QB2. And I was going to ask if you thought that was fair. So, like, let, let, let's start there. Do you think it was fair for Sam Darnold to be QB2 and not Trey Lance? I'm kind of in 50-50 about this. The one side tells me that Trey Lance is not ready and that the coaches and the training staff doesn't see Trey Lance being ready, more ready than what Sam Darnold has shown in training camp and the other side of me is like you know you gotta give Trey Lance the time and the production and the reps in to you know become someone but sadly you know the in the diner situation we couldn't give him that because one we had Jimmy still for all the times that uh he was with us before and then, you know, when Trey Lance had the uh, chance to, uh, you know, you know, uh, kind of get some reps in in actual games and stuff, I mean, he got injured. So we would have to resort to our third string, which is now our first string, Brock Purdy. So, you know, it's sad to see him go, but I mean, the situation wasn't right for him. Uh to begin with for the 49ers. I mean, the 49ers are, as of right now, trying to win a Super Bowl. And Trey Lance just needs a lot of time to develop. And hopefully Dallas can provide that um, to Trey Lance. But, you know, they still have, uh, what's his name, Dak Prescott. So I don't know how long they're going to, you know, let Dak run the boys. But hopefully... Trey Lance gets a chance, um, whether or not, you know, it's with the boys or elsewhere, I guess. Well, you know, he let's hope he does turn into the boy. Eh? Eh? Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, that was a bad one. But uh, yeah, so it, like, you know, then look, I, I don't watch football, so I'll, I'll draw it back to kind of basketball. Like, it's kind of like the James Wiseman situation in a way, you know? Like the guy comes out, he he simply does not know how to play yet, and the team the team has, well, I, I guess at the time like championship aspirations, and they simply just don't have time to deal with the warts that that are going to come along with developing a young guy, and unfortunately for him, like he got injured, much like James Wiseman. And then, like, yeah, as you said, they have they have Super Bowl aspirations. They are a Super Bowl level team, 
and you can't just you can't just throw away minutes in that way you, you can't wait you don't have time to wait for a young player to develop so you just so unfortunately you just you then just have to cut bait and of course like a better option came out along the way brock purdy a guy who is ready like he just he has it and you know maybe trey lance does have it but they don't have time for him to for to find out if he does and unfortunately that's just kind of the situation with sports like when you're a championship team like you're just gonna have to let let go of guys if it's not working out because you, you don't have a lot of time to kind of fuck around like if you like you would be like you would have if you were tanking and so that's just kind of how sports works yeah and you know with trey lance and brock purdy trey lance I want to say only had a year, maybe two years in, in uh, college uh, experience while Brock Purdy did a full, I, I want to say three years or even four, I forget, to be honest. But yeah, Brock Purdy had the more uh, experience under his belt. Um, and, you know, Trey Lentz is, you know, uh, <clears throat> I guess on paper, a very raw player that has, lots of potential but you know still has to you know develop while Brock Purdy is already pretty solidified and with our Niners offense Brock Purdy doesn't really need to do anything fancy per se for a quarterback he just lets uh you know the team kind of around him uh kind of I don't know what the word is I guess a system in some way Sometimes you like you just need stability. You don't need the guy that's a little bit up and down. And from what I've heard from like preseason from just like ESPN 1320, Trey has shown flashes, but they're flashes. It needs to be more stable. And Brock Purdy does provide that stability. He like he has the feel that Trey Lance doesn't have right have yet. I mean, yeah, literally Brock Purdy, I mean, <laughs> just showed that he brought uh pretty much a team that was kind of in the deepest depths of dark places losing two of our you know quarterbacks to you know bring us to the nfc championship so it's yeah that's a pretty big accomplishment for a guy who you know got drafted last yeah and hopefully, like, yeah, he's able to find some, finds, like, like hopefully he's able to find his role in, uh, in Dallas. And, you know, I, I imagine, I imagine you hope the best for him. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. Except, you know, of all places, why does it have to be Dallas? But, you know, it is what it is. We got the pick. Why do I get the feeling like it seems like the Cowboys are where where careers go to die for some reason? Is that just me? Um, I wouldn't say it in that way. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how to explain it in terms of uh, you know, not being a guy that follows the Cowboys that much, but you know, he they just are in a kind of a stalemate. They could. They have a huge potential to make it far, but they always get stopped because of some dumb shit. Some <laughs> 76ers, basically. <laughs> like, mm. that's, that's what comes to mind. Because, like, 
you look at the 76ers, they actually have championship level talent. They just fought, they just choke it away every single year somehow. I don't know. How, it's pretty impressive, actually. Yeah, I I guess you could compare it to the 76ers in that sense, but with the Cowboys, I mean, if you remember uh, me talking about the last two years of how they, you know, lost their playoff chances against the Niners, of course. Yeah, it's not pretty. First, it was Dak on a clock ball. And, you know, the year after, which was last year, was um some weird uh, formation that uh, didn't come up with anything. So, yeah, it, it's a kind of weird situation for Dallas at the moment, I guess. And we'll see how it goes because, you know, Ezekiel Elliott's gone. I can't say for the rest of the team how much <laughs> they'll improve because I don't think Dak is their future, in my opinion. Yeah, they, they. I mean, honestly, you know what they gotta do? They gotta just tell Skip Bayless to not be a Cowboys fan, because honestly, that's probably the curse, right? Like at a certain point, like you just you gotta have morals, and you, you can't have you can't have that kind of cancer. <laughs> you know, be, I'm kidding, and I'm kidding, but like it's just that that's kind of what makes me out on the Cowboys, despite not knowing jack shit about football. I'm just like Skip Bayless is a fan. Okay, I don't like that team already. <laughs> yeah, I mean. The Cowboys fan base, it's it's deep and huge and loyal. <laughs> Probably just as loyal as any New York team I've ever seen, to be honest. Well, any well, anyways, uh hope the best for Trey Lance in Dallas. Good good luck to him. Hopefully he becomes one of them boys. Uh and, okay, so uh, I did want to talk about basketball, but there just isn't that much news to talk about. I mean, do, we can like you know talk a little bit about Team USA. Uh, my only thought about Team USA is I hate it when people talk about why are we not sending the A team over? Like yeah. you know, yeah. like guys yeah. like Steph Curry, guys like LeBron, guys like Anthony Davis. Why aren't those guys playing? We need them. We need them. And my thought is always, why the fuck do you need them there? You're playing against Rudy Gobert and Evan Fournier on in, in in France. Do you need the A team to beat that fucking team? Like it, it's always been very frustrating to me. Like just people talk about like you need to send our best. We shouldn't need to. We really shouldn't. I get that the world has improved, and you can argue like you know the best play, like the top five players in the league. Like you maybe have one American in there possibly. At the same time. Your seven, your sixth and seventh guy is so much better than any any other team has, and you're complaining that you don't have enough talent. Look, I don't want to throw the coaching staff under the bus. It's got it, it's something you, you got to do something there probably. I because I think you've got the talent. You, you you guys just aren't winning, and I don't know what it is. Yeah, I mean, with the team that's set up for the USA, especially, it's a perfectly fine team. I mean, it that's a and I guess if you put it into NBA terms, I mean that's a, a first very sad team. Yeah, very sad team. Very you know? sad team. Uh, even with I don't know if Halburn is uh, starting, but I mean he's he's coming off the bench. I mean, holy shit! <laughs> to hear that having Halburn coming off the bench, that's crazy. With how we much... know, Lord have mercy, Delavadova coming off the bench is torching you. Patty Mills fucking turns into you know fucking Steph Curry like. 
how? Why are they giving you trouble? Yeah. Uh, I well, don't know. In in some ways, there are some international players uh, somehow popping off in FIBA, but you know, to each to their own. Um, but yeah, there we really don't need us and uh, a freaking. Uh, what's the? We don't term? need to send a death squad or the AD. Exactly. Because... We don't need to send you know the nuclear options over there. Like we do, it's you're you're going up against Rooney Gobert. By the way, play terrible today, which I'll give them some slack for. But like, come on, why do you need why do you need them? Why do you need like that many guys to beat Rooney Gobert? I mean, we only did it with the dream team and uh, was is it called the redeem team? The redeem team. Yeah, and like I I didn't get into it with someone on Twitter about it, but like I was just like like you know he was like saying well the redeem team is so is like better than the dream team, and I'm like. Sure, why? <laughs> like they, they almost lost the fucking Spain. And sure, they have Pau Gasol. I think they have Marcus All too. Mm-hmm. And they, they have better talent, but it sh- it shouldn't be that close. You had Dwayne Wade coming off the bench. You had LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Carmelo Anthony, Dar- Chris Paul, Darren Williams. How why are you having trouble with 16-year-old Ricky Rubio? <laughs> Uh, so that that's all i'll say on usa do they bring home the gold i don't give a shit i don't give a shit i really don't but like i they should be able to win gold yeah i mean yeah i mean pretty much with the redeem team and dream team it just i guess they went to prove a point saying that well well we didn't win it the previous year we're we're going all in for this year pretty much Well, they're going to go in with the Olympics. That's what they're waiting for. And, mm, yeah, you know, well, like, we'll see. But again, you don't need Steph Curry for this. You really no. don't. And I'm very confident in this team to win gold. No, I and not to. You know, don't disrespect. get too comfortable. Hey, they find a way to fuck this up. And, and like, there is like a little bit of a thing with like, you know, it is feeble rule. So it is a little different. You know, the spacing's more compact. There's no three second rule. You can, you can actually goal 10 shots. That's, yeah. actually, that's actually a pretty interesting thing. So, you know, it, it, it is what it is. They still should win gold. Yeah. Oh, man. Can you imagine Rudy just hovering under a rim and just jumping under yeah, the basket? Didn't, to go didn't make a difference against Canada. I'll just let you know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Poor he gets too much. He gets a lot of shit, but oh, kind of uh, deserved. But, you know. Have you seen the games for China? I have not, no. I feel bad for Kyle Anderson because he, in the first early games, I don't know about the later games or, you know, the most recent games, but he was very visibly upset with how, you know, the team was, you know, orchestrated uh, because, I mean, no offense to the other players in China, but yeah, <laughs> they're not doing so Great. They're not sending their best. <laughs> they got Kyle Anderson, which, in my opinion, is of course their best player. That's saying a lot <laughs> in a lot of ways. But yeah, I, I don't know. We'll we'll see how it you know fares off. I guess. Yeah, I mean, like the Chinese Chinese team. They, I mean, they just don't have the talent. That's just what it is. And 
you know, good, good luck. Maybe, maybe this is the start of something. And, you know, congratulations for to Kyle Anderson for becoming a Chinese citizen. That was like, that was a surprise to say the least. That's, yeah, very unusual. <laughs> you know, some uh, under the table type crap going on there, in my opinion. Yeah, whatever it is. It's still kind of cool to think, cool to see, but, you know, good luck. Good luck, Kyle. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, so not much of in terms of NBA news really to talk about. Um, so, I, but I did talk about um, in my previous solo episode. If you guys want to listen to that, um, I did go over the NBA tiers as released by uh, Seth Partnow. So every year, um, the Athletic, which uh, the Athletics, uh, Seth Partnow, he does an NBA tiers list where he basically has five tiers, and they all contain about I think twenty five players. And he basically kind of, the, so the best 125 players, he kind of ranks them according to tier. So there's like 1A, 1B, 1C, and then it goes all the way down to 5A, 5B, and 5C. So there was a bit of controversy with him. Well, of course, with a lot of fan base, but of course, we're Kings guys. So like there was a bit of controversy with him and Kings fans because, so like, you know, just blindly, what, uh, like out of like out of 125 players out of five tiers where would you have demontis a bonus i would put him <laughs> so each tier is 25 players each tier 25 players so like just just say like a just say a number Ooh, i would say i'll i'll keep it safe and say tier two <laughs> he is not in tier two uh here I'll, I'll read you some names of guys that are in tiers above him that are notable uh bam out of okay uh let's see who was it anthony davis okay okay um uh, I'm, I'm trying to avoid uh okay these guys are listed at power forward but they're not really forwards so it's like lebron james Kawhi leonard jimmy butler these guys are listed at forwards but they're not really oh okay <laughs> they're not really power forwards uh let's see here's another one uh draymond green uh in tier two or one he's in uh, well i won't tell i won't tell you what tier but he's above sabonis uh okay i mean lowry marketed okay this is this is gonna piss this is gonna piss you off rudy gobert uh-huh uh. and just to throw salt in the wound tyrese halliburton okay, <laughs> okay. so i just ended at the bottom of th of tier three and at the top of tier four is uh demonis abonis tier four tier four and it and Seth, he he detailed of the reasoning of why he thinks Sabonis is in tier four. Now he did acknowledge he is a he is a player that that probably should be ranked higher, but he is a guy that is hard to build around, and like hard does not to... does not help you does not help you win playoff games as much as other guys. Hard to build around. That's I'm just staring at at Rudy Gobert right now. But yeah, yeah, hard to build around. He's probably the easiest center to build around. The the reason why, of course, he had a real, he had a pretty, I don't think he had a terrible series against the Warriors, but he definitely was exposed a little bit. He had a rough series. Like, there's no, there's no, there's no, like, you know, sugarcoating that. 
and like they and like they think his defense is a problem in the playoffs. We saw that it really wasn't. I because like the Kings were actually pretty good on defense in the playoffs, which is the ironic thing. But like, yeah, I, look, I, what I what I said was that I don't agree. I don't agree with him, uh, Seth. That is, but I do understand his reasoning. I don't. I don't agree with the conclusion he came to. Oh, uh, uh, man. I mean, for me, the lowest I give is tier three, which is tops, what, 75? Uh, yeah, it would be top 75. Yeah, that's the lowest I would give. But He, he says he does. He says Rudy go, or no, not Rudy go. Demonis does give, get you a lot more regular season wins than a lot of guys. Like guys like, you know, <laughs> Kawhi Leonard and Paul George who never play, basically. So, <laughs> so. There, there's that. Uh, look, again, I get his reasoning. I understand where he's coming from. I don't agree with it, and that's okay. Yeah, I mean, hopefully next season, uh, Simonas can prove him wrong because <laughs> that, I don't know. I, I got to see the list for myself to, you know, justify uh, a lot of things, to be honest, but I mean, tier four seems, yeah, just a little tad bit low. Now, I guess the next question would be, where is Fox? <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah, okay. So, good, good news. On, do you want to do you want to guess where he where he's at? Okay, if Sabonis is not tier two, I'm. <sighs> I'm gonna give the more. I I'm gonna be in his brain and predict that he is in tier three uh, he is in tier three he's at the top of tier three um he is three okay. a and the reasoning of course is the great showing in playoffs okay uh, that's it? It, it well he didn't there, there's a lot of players he's not going to go into all of them but yes he De'Aaron rose to, from all the way from four, from fourth b all the way to three a so this is a pretty big jump so yeah Okay, sure. I mean, in my opinion, I would have said tier two, but you know, in his mind, I'm I'm thinking about how he would have ranked it. I mean, yeah, tier three sounds, I guess, just fine. But at least he's in the top part of tier three, right? Yeah, like again, I don't, I just don't fully agree with a lot of things he says because, like, it, like again, Rudy Gobert is a tier above. Demonis and look you you want to say like hard to build around this dude had a team of off like in pure offense and he was the one anchoring the defense and they sucked ass in the playoffs <laughs> what are we talking about and then like you know he has he has a team he has a team right now which is not really built around him and he's really struggling and you know, the people, here's the thing. A lot of people always talk about the numbers, the numbers, the numbers would go bare. Oh, they're ass with him off the, with him off the floor. Like this and that, their defense is awful. Well, you know what gets better? The offense. <laughs> it gets a lot better. <laughs> it gets a lot better. I hate to say, it. you know, one of the funniest stories of, remember the punch? Remember him punching Kyle Anderson? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, you know, the headline, of course, that night was him punching Kyle Anderson. What the other two storylines that I thought should have been way more important, Jane McDaniels broke his hand, which was the second headline. Yeah. Because of course he punched a fucking teammate. And you know the third headline? 
they won that fucking game after being down like I think 20 or like 18 or something. And like the the the, the third headline was that they they came back without him. They didn't even need him to win that game. And it's like <sighs> people their analytics people love Rudy Gobert. And to this day, they still do. And to a certain degree, I get why. He really is a, a defensive force all unto himself. But he's very much kind of a inverse of a, a Trey Young type. Trey Young needs the needs the defense to be built around him because guess what? Awful fucking defender. You have to have good defenders surrounding him. But he he operates in a way where he has the ball all the time and it raises your offense to certain to like an incredible level to a point where you can get to the Eastern Conference Finals, but it does limit you. And in the same way Rudy Gobert does that, you have to play a certain way with him on defense. And it, it carries you to a certain level. But when but in the playoffs, when teams scout him out and just attack his weaknesses, which is you know, hit pulling him out to the perimeter. Remember, Trey Lyles torched his ass in one game now granted it is just one game he he played very well against us in the other three games but like if trey lyles can can app can abuse you on defense and you're a defensive specialist what are we doing anymore why is he in tier three yeah i don't i don't know what to say about draymond green is another kind of controversial one again i kind of get why he is legit the best uh perimeter defender of this generation my argument is, would be just like you know i would like to see him without steph curry it, i exactly. just don't i i just don't think he's a guy that fits anywhere else now sure detroit could have paid him money hell the kings could have paid him money but they would have regretted it yeah no that's exactly right i mean most of the tier list sounds like it's more team oriented in some ways, it, especially with the Draymond one. It's yeah, it's more team. Yeah, like it's basically the higher you are, the better the better this uh, Seth thinks that you are at helping a team win a championship. Mm-hmm. And but, I'm assuming LeBron's gonna be like top ten, right? Well, LeBron's always been top ten. He so for the first time ever, he dropped a tier two. Oh, okay. <laughs> The only guy in tier one that's actually been, cons- been consistently tier so there's like two two tiers in tier one. Well, there's three, but there's only uh, two here. Giannis is the only one that's actually been consistently in tier one, like tier one A. Okay, and which I, I which I think is interesting. I because I don't think he's the best player in the world. So, especially after this year, I just don't think he's a one A guy anymore. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm assuming Jokic is next, then. Jokic and stuff. Yep. Okay. Which makes sense. <laughs> you want to guess who number four is? Hmm, Luca. Oh, you're close. He's number five. Oh, Luca's five. Um, which that should be a pretty controversial one too. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess KD. KD. Yep. KD. Okay. Even though I I would drop him at this point, <laughs> I'm kind of out on KD. Yeah, I mean, hopefully he could prove himself in the sun. So I, who knows? Maybe look, he has something left in him. Look, he he's a made man. There, I'm not going to criticize his legacy and all that stuff. Like people don't bring up like he got put into the USO penitentiary <laughs> against <laughs> against the Celtics. 
the same team, by the way, that that Steph Curry absolutely lit up in the finals, mind you. And no one talks about that. Hmm. That's right. <laughs> the man, like, think about this. Kevin Durant shot under 40% during that series. That is that is incredible. Like that that Celtics team was really, really good. And they couldn't do anything to stop Steph Curry. And that's why Steph is like, you know, just leagues above, like. Not maybe not leagues above, but like he is he is definitely higher than Kevin Durant. I mean, as long as he stays in the top ten of each of these tier lists, I mean that's all you could really say about him. Yeah. So yeah, um glad I got that uh, reaction out of you. And if you're wondering, uh three other players also made it into the uh, tiers list. Uh so do you want to guess the three? Um, I'm gonna guess Harrison Barnes. Oh, oh no, we're talking about Kings, right? Kings. He's actually not on this list, which actually I'm kind of disappointed. Oh, oh, really? Okay, <laughs> pretty, pretty sure he's not. Let me look. What? Well, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's not. Nope, he's not a. Okay. Um, Keegan Murray. I he's, guess he's four C, which that surprised me. Ooh, that's kind of well. I don't know how. I don't know how the tier list really works in my mind but i would say that's pretty low he um, is a rookie and like you know he, he can't he can't dribble <laughs> like it's uh, i get i get why he's there I, I actually thought that was pretty high honestly huh and i'm assuming the next two is malik and herder yep dead on they're in 5a 5a um Sure, I guess. I don't know. Like I said, I need to see this tier list to get better, better uh, generalized idea of how this tier list works because you're just it, naming numbers is just one thing. <laughs> These are five A, C, B is, just, is another thing. Look, basketball is a subjective thing, and this is just Seth's opinion. Again, I don't agree with him, but I get where he's coming from. Mm, so. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, well, that's basically all the all the stuff that I have on this docket. Um, hopefully, like, hopefully, we ended it on a positive enough note for you. We're kind of lit into some some narratives, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, made you laugh after what's been. You know, if you're if you're not a wrestling fan, I think it's I think you know you, you don't you're not feeling what we're feeling right now. But like, wrestling fans are in in a bit deep right now, and hopefully, like, if you're if you're in a bit of a bad mood or just not not having a good day. Hopefully this brightened your day a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, anything else you want to quickly talk about? Well, I mean, did I, did I mention uh, if, or ask you if you uh, start watching Winning Time? I still haven't watched it, sorry. Mm. Dang. You, I think you did ask me like two episodes ago. I just, but yeah. Honest, I don't really want to watch it. So. Oh, really? I mean... I'm not feeling it. Like it's like I'm. I'm still trying to finish uh, Last of Us, which, by the way, it's really good. Um, mm. And there's this other stuff. Uh, I've been busy lately too, so yeah. that does not help. I mean, that's one show I haven't started yet. Last of Us. Um, I, I feel like there's other shows that I haven't started either. <laughs> I probably should start, but when I saw Wayne Time, I'm like, I need a little basketball in me, and there's a lot of drama within that show too. That kind of adds into the fuel to the fire especially with uh <laughs> how uh angry jerry west gets in this show 
I mean, he was great in season one. Whoever plays him, like, like I know Jerry West doesn't like how he's portrayed, but like, come on, it's more funny than it is anything. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, I mean, with TV shows, they gotta overemphasize a lot of things, and they definitely turned up the knob for Jerry West. All right. Um. So uh, let's see. So you know, there was one thing. Oh yes. Um. So. May Maven uh, Huffman, but you know, formerly known as Maven, uh, back in uh, the wrestling days, back in like the 2003, 2002 to 2005, I think was when he was released. He started a YouTube channel, and it's if you're a wrestling fan, I recommend f- subscribing to that channel. It is really, really good. He he basically just goes into what life is was like as a wrestler, like you know, how was the finances like? What was it like on the road? Who's an asshole behind the scenes? great stuff by him like just like you know he's really he has a great way of speaking and presenting it presenting just kind of what life is like as a wrestler so really good uh follow if you have time to watch some of his videos so yeah i really recommend that channel to anyone who's remotely a wrestling fan awesome Mm -hmm. stuff by him yeah i remember youtube recommending me some of his videos but i haven't gotten a chance to uh watch any but yeah, I'll probably watch it in my downtime. Who am I kidding? Because I remember YouTube used to recommend me Ryback for some reason. Yeah, no, no I no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I remember like Simon Gotch. He had a shoot interview on Enzo, and that was on my recommended forever. I, I never watched it. So. Nah. Okay. Well, that's all I have on my docket. If you have nothing else, let's call this an episode. Thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Yeah, we'll see you guys later.